Hey, this is Megan Rapino, and I'm Sue Bird. We've decided to turn our crazy IG live show into a podcast for your listening pleasure. Enjoy the show. A Touch More. New episodes of A Touch More drop Tuesday only on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. The Philadelphia 76ers select Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons. Here comes Simmons between the legs. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the New Slant Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Newbeck, and this week our podcast being brought to you once again by our friends at Bet Online as well as the good folks at Blue Chew. So, thank you to all of them for keeping the lights on, keeping us safe and healthy during a pandemic. With me, as always, packing his suitcase for a trip to hang out with Mickey Mouse in mid-July, my buddy, my pal, Seamus Clancy. Seamus, how are you? Would you ever be one of those people who goes to Disney World as an adult, but without kids? Like, just by yourself? Uh, I would say no. So I think there's a, a difference. I think that you know, like an occasional once in a blue moon trip to Disney World is not crazy. The people that freak me out are the people that are obsessed with Disney or the people that want to go to Disney like as a yearly thing or like every other year, however often you get to go on vacation when Disney World becomes the only place you go. That's like you need to see a therapist, I think. Those people freak me the fuck out. Yeah, if you go with your babe or your partner once every four or five years, I think that's fine until like, you do that a couple times and you need to actually have kids to go. Yeah, and like, look, there's a difference between going to Epcot and drinking around the world and doing all that and getting your autographs guess, with Minnie and Goofy <laughs> waiting in line. Did exactly. You, did you ever so, go there as a kid? Uh, yes, I went when I was, I want to say I was in fourth grade. Um, and I, and really random while I was there, I got to meet Brazilian soccer legend Pele because he was oh. in, he was in the, was he in Brazil Epcot? No. So my dad and I went to, this is such a random tangent. My dad and I went to like the honey. I shrunk the audience three. Oh show. yeah. 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 And they did, somebody comes over the loudspeaker and like, well, ladies and gentlemen, we've got a very special guest (laughs) with us here today. And so my dad and I, my dad is very cynical, which is why I turned out very cynical. And he's just grown into me like, oh, it's probably some asshole, like whatever, (laughs) like who cares? And then they're like, Brazilian soccer legend, Pele. And my dad's face fucking lights up. He goes, dude, we got to go try to meet him. So... Again, I'm so young at the time that I have like an autograph book and stuff while I was there that I'm yeah, carrying yeah. around with me. And so we chase after Pele and we catch up with him. And he asks what my name is, hand him the pen. He signs the book. I don't realize till hours later, it says to Kayo, K-A-I-O, best of K-A-I-O. luck. Yeah, so that's, again, English is not his first. He speaks Portuguese first, so I don't blame him for uh, Wonderful you know, not getting the name. But so I have that autograph somewhere deep in my parents' house that says, To Kayo, best of luck, Pele. 
And that is my number one Disney World story. Yeah, I went once. I was in first grade. That was the first time I flew. That was fall 2000. So that's the only time I flew pre-9-11. So way That actually point. is right around probably when I went. I went in like 99 or 2000, sometime yeah. around there. So yeah, we maybe you were in the... Maybe uh, we were on the, the same friggin' flight. <laughs> you never know. Maybe you were in the presence of Brazilian soccer legend Pele. Pele. My grandparents came and my... Just not knowing, it was, I think it was the first time my grandfather flew. We went with my parents, too. I'm an only child. And like my, my grandfather was just trying to bring a knife on the plane. Like not, <laughs> even in, like, not even in like a malicious way, just carries a knife. And they were like, you can't do that. And he was like, are you sure? And they're like, yeah. And could you imagine <laughs> if it was like 13 months later? And yeah, really. To do that? Jeez. Yeah, he would have been in like a fucking jail cell. For- Cuffing my pop. Oh, man. Uh, Well, that's all a long way of saying that the big story this week in NBA world isn't Sixers-centric, but certainly applies to the Sixers, that uh, Orlando Disney World has emerged as as the frontrunner to host a potential restart for the NBA. Uh, That report came courtesy of Shams Charania and Sam Amick of The Athletic, and... You know, I guess it seems like it's been tilting this way for, I don't know, let's say the last couple of weeks or so. Time is all relative right now. It feels like it's been ongoing for months that we've been talking about like the Disney version of Space Jam being filmed, I guess. Um, but it looks like this is really going to happen, and it looks like the timeline is going to line up so that maybe they're practicing by about mid-June, and then by mid-July – the NBA is going to come back. So I guess, Seamus, what are your immediate thoughts, concerns, questions about, you know, the, I guess the, the general concept of Disney World as the host site? Well, when I think about reporters, maybe you'll be there. I don't know if you'll be there the whole duration. I feel like Keith Smith will be there. He seems like a big Disney World guy. Big Disney guy. Big Disney guy. <laughs> uh, do you expect to go there? Uh, well, let's say this. Say they they do the warm-up games for like two weeks you probably wouldn't go to that you know just in this theoretical situation that reporters are allowed but i'm wondering if the playoffs were there maybe you go for like the first round for like the weekend for the first two games and come home and you know if they make the conference finals or the legit finals finals you go back there that'd be pretty cool ideally i would like to be there for For like just two months honestly yeah get a nice little yeah, get a nice tan, stay at the Floridian, you know, maybe uh, play some socially distanced golf, even though I haven't played golf in like over a decade. I don't I've think. never played a round of golf in my life. It is not my favorite thing, which is why I haven't played it in so long. It but, seems like know. a very mental sport that I would not succeed <laughs> at. Like When in Orlando. Yeah, when in Orlando. Just go to Epcot with uh, Pele. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, but I think the problem that I foresee is that, you know, if they're trying to minimize team staffers and, and people that are actually involved with the product, that'll certainly apply to reporters and media. Uh, I think if I had to guess, the, they'll probably have minimal, even like announcing crews there. Like, I don't think it's out of the question to suggest that, you know, they'll have the games broadcast, but the broadcast teams might end up being remote, like calling from a studio or even their home somewhere if they can figure that out in terms of the the technology around that. So I'm not, I'm certainly not expecting 
to be there for the entire duration regardless, but I'm curious whether it's going to be possible for us to be there at all because, you know, it's, I can't sit here and be a hypocrite and after wanting everyone to be, you know, best practices and as safe as they can be, be like, well, you know, they got to let every media person under the sun in there. Like that's, that's obviously not going to happen. So I'm interested to see what's going to happen there. I think I'm more interested though in like what they're going to do with the players and with the staffers. If, if you're going on a finals run and you're there for as long as, you know, two, three months, are they going to have families there with them? Are they going to have girlfriends there with them? Boyfriends even, if that's a thing. As we've been discussing for a long time. Yeah, right. Like as we brought up on the podcast last week is a bunch of horny basketball players going to present a problem for the NBA in terms of keeping the bubble intact. I think some of the, I, who was it? Jared Dudley, I believe said yeah. this week that they're not going to have a strict bubble. And I don't know what your reaction to that was Seamus, but the frick, what the to fuck's me, the point of the bubble then? Yeah, right. It's like, don't even have one. I, I think the whole advantage of Disney world is that it's a private property and you can control the environment to a certain extent. But if they're not even attempting to control the environment, then like, I, I just don't see how this whole thing works as constituted yeah you have the players there then you have the team staff like the actual essential players the i guess you know coaches and whatnot then you probably have front office people who want to be there and then you have i guess media relations people who would be even if you're not there contacting you guys through zoom or skype or whatever but even say the reporters are allowed so then you have players the staff the front office the reporters the players' families. Why don't you just play in the normal friggin' cities at that point? It's 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 just it doesn't solve anything to me. I guess there's yeah, less tra- there's less travel, obviously. Where you know, and then not to get off too off point, but then it's like, well, there's talk of the Western Conference playing in Vegas, and I'm like, why not just put you you keep doing little things that on their own aren't completely detrimental and crippling to this idea. Uh, a bubbled or quarantine basketball tournament or, or series of games, but they all add up to the point where it seems like they have the idea in the head they're going to take this seriously, but it's not really realistic to do what they want to do in a strict quarantine capacity. Yeah, I, I think the reason you want to do it in one environment or just like in a controlled environment in general is that you can control that to some extent. The more variables you add into something, the harder it is to control it. So your example of that Vegas might be the Western conference site. That's just, then you're having to manage the situation in Las Vegas and the situation in Orlando. And so in that hypothetical Seamus, let's say, for whatever reason, who the hell knows how it would happen or why, let's say they would have an outbreak in Orlando only and all the Eastern Conference teams somehow are impacted, or even if it's not all of them, a significant chunk of the playoff teams are impacted. Whereas in Las Vegas, it's fine and it goes off without a hitch and you know they, they keep moving through the playoffs. Well, if you can't hold one half of the playoffs then you're not gaining anything from running through the western conference playoffs and so that to me is like you either have to have it's got to be all or nothing because if the point of all this is that you want to crown a champion you have to you have to limit 
the damage that uh, something can do. And I, so I just don't get the whole idea behind, you know, the two site environment. I, I don't think that they should be doing all over the country because I do think traveling constantly, not only does that, you know, expose them to extra risk. I think a lot of traveling like that tends to weaken people's immune systems when you're flying Certainly. on planes all the time. That's like you get your, your body just gets fatigued in that way. So I, I think that's a factor that that's a reason that they want to do that. So, yeah, I, I think at this point it's more a matter of who do they consider essential. Like, I, I think the people that are obvious are the players and the immediate coaching staff. Probably not Al Horford. <laughs> but then from there, like, so it, are family members essential because no. they – Well, you say that, but they've been on this kick of like – and this is very much a real thing of mental health is sure. an important part of, you know, a work-life balance and of performing at a high level. And so if someone's family structure, family system is an important part of keeping themselves in the right mental state for these games, then how can you say that, you know, not having family there is an essential. And so that opens up all these different conversations about, you know, holding guys there for so long without being able to do anything and is that what they signed up for when they signed these contracts blah 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 like people will just look at hey these guys make a lot of money and they should be willing to do whatever it takes but they made a lot of money under the pretext of you know a normal life. normal life without this all hanging over their heads yeah i think it just adds up to you know i don't think the elephant in the room is the right term but it's obvious that this isn't going to go well even if they they do it. It's not going to go on without a hitch. There are going to be issues. There are going to be hiccups. There are going to be people contracting it and shutting down play and just keep delaying and delaying. Uh, you know, could be delaying games. Could be delaying playoff rounds. I don't. I don't know how far this goes. And I agree that you know, and are the family members essential? No. But is it messed up to tell this guy, hey, you can't see your, you know, your your partner or your kids or, you know, whomever, the people that you're taking care of in your life for two to three months, that's completely unrealistic. And it just, again, adds to the fact that this seems like such a half-assed move that, you know, I don't think anyone should want to be the first sports league to come back. You know what I mean? That you yeah. want to have the MLB come back first and then take their lumps. And if you're the NFL, you're sitting pretty sane. All these three other teams are still in season to a degree, depending on how you want to count the MLB right now. And, you know, let's watch how they fail because they're all going to fail in some regard. I'm not saying that there won't be crowned champions at the end of the year because, you know, more like than not money talks and there will be some sp sort of sports being played between those three leagues. But again, the NFL and college football are positioned to sit back and realize what works and what doesn't work. And it seems unfortunate for, you know, basketball fans, people in the basketball media like us that the NBA is going to be the first kind of test case. Yeah, and they're going to end up being the bad guy to somebody no matter what they do because you sure. know, if, they, if they cancel or even delay the season further, then the people who think that they should just – that it's, oh, they're trampling on freedoms and they got to do this, do that. Like they're they're here to, for, to serve us. Yeah, all that nonsense. Like those people get angry if they come back and there's some sort of outbreak or even like a, a, a decent percentage of players get infected, then it's 
all the second guessing of what they do. And so, you know, football, like the NFL specifically, I think was very fortunate with the timing of all this where it wasn't that hard for them to pivot into the online only draft. A lot of that stuff gets done remotely anyway. They have time with their off season to wait, wait this out and, you know, see how testing progresses and if they get any closer to a vaccine, I'm sure that's a long ways off still based on all available evidence right now, but yeah, they can still hold out hope without actually altering the schedule too much yet. But yeah, the NBA is in a tough spot. And I know that last week we brought up the, you know, players breaking the bubble and all that stuff. I, I do think you brought up the, uh, like on my end, the media, I, I think there would probably be, even within that group, there there's most likely a divide between, you know, certain people would take it very seriously, be pretty strict about, you know, staying in the hotel room and not going, branching out too far between events and things. And then you have the old crusty sports writer that thinks like, oh, no, this isn't going to impact me. And what's the worst that could happen? And, you know, doesn't really think things through. So I, I think that's just human nature. And that's the tough part about all of this is, especially in America, it's just this sprawling country with so many different ideologies and upbringings that, you know, some people view something as simple as wearing a mask as you know, either a sign of weakness or they're being oppressed or whatever it is instead of, you know, it's just a small momentary thing to look out for other people. So I don't know how the hell this is all going to go, but it certainly looks like we are headed toward a season in the not too distant future. Yeah, what happens when Derek Bodner goes out clubbing and then comes back the next day? And goes that damn Bodner, him. man. You can't trust him. You really can't trust no. He's a loose cannon. <laughs> On that note, let's uh, we'll take a quick break, talk about our sponsors, and be right back. So, there may not be action right now in the NBA, but there's no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, Bet Online. NASCAR is back, and Bet Online has hundreds of other games, events, and sports to get in on. You can still bet on simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC events 24-7, or you can participate in a $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge, a March Madness-style NFL simulation tournament that you can enter for free. And coming up next Sunday, BetOnline has ex-Chicago Bulls Ron Harper, Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, and Craig Hodges joining them to discuss the Michael Jordan documentary on what they're calling the final dance. So visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus and check out all the action. BetOnline, your online wagering solution. You know what's going to be great to bet on this upcoming weekend? The Peyton Manning Tiger Woods versus Phil Mickelson Tom Brady golf match. Going to be a lot of prop bets on that one. And I'm not even a golf guy at all. Uh, as I said, I've never played a round of golf in my life, but I'm definitely going to check that out. Big Peyton Manning, Lloyd, so be happy about that. <laughs> Though I think they are favored since they have Tiger. I think they're like plus, I mean, this is what I looked at like last week, plus 180, and then uh, Phil and Brady were like minus 220 or something. Yeah, I, I just like Peyton more than Tom, so I'm rooting for He was my favorite non-people growing up. Oh, so I have it on BetOnline's odd. BetOnline.ag. I was close. Th- oh, the uh, yeah. So Tiger and Peyton are minus two ten, 
and Phil and Tom are plus 170. I kind of had a little flipped. Sounds about right. Peyton's had some more time to, uh, you know, golf now that he's been retired. Well, yeah. also, you know, you know what jersey color Peyton wore, Seamus, when he was a uh, Indianapolis Colt was blue. I think we have another blue thing to tell the audience about today. Yeah. Just take it for example. This weekend, you do a little barbecue in your backyard or maybe even in your your house or your apartment if you don't have a backyard. I don't really have a backyard. I'm be doing some grilling. Imagine this. It's Memorial Day weekend. You're relaxing. You're off from work Monday. Sunday, cooking up some dogs and burgers, having a couple cold ones, hanging out with your partner, and they give you the look. What are you going to want then? You're going to want Blue Chew. Get to bluechew.com. BlueChew.com has the first ever chewable that brings you performance in the bedroom and brings it to another level. They've got the same active ingredients that are in Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. And since they're chewable, they work faster. Just pop that sucker right in. (laughs) You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. You just ate all those burgers and dogs. Does not matter. Chew on it. Plus, you don't need to go to the doctor's office. Doctor's office, who wants to go there? Who wants to go there during this quarantine with the pandemic going on? Or spend time waiting in line at the pharmacy? Who wants to go to the pharmacy with a mask on and stand, stand behind, you know, 27 baby boomers who are looking for their pills? You don't want to waste your time doing that. But Blue Chew's online physician is free of cost. Free. And once you're approved, your order ships straight to your door in discreet packaging. Your mailman, your landlord does not know what you're getting. It's safe, it's secure, it's discreet. So we have a deal for you guys. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first order free when you use promo code BLUEWIRE. Just pay $5 shipping, that's it, just $5. $5 for a fantastic night that you'll remember forever. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code BLUEWIRE. That was the Saving Private Ryan of BlueChew ad reads. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that you understood the uh, the reference there. Um, back to our, our basketball-related content. Uh, I guess one of the other things that has been reported over the last few days, I actually am blanking on who reported this yesterday, but the word on the street is that part of the proposal to return to play is going to be playing a, I guess you would say, a small handful of regular season games to cross the 70-game threshold that Seamus and I you know, have discussed some on the podcast in recent weeks. Uh, this is not surprising to me. I, I, I know I've emphasized this in the past, but that 70-game barrier is really important for a lot of the regional sports networks for payouts. I, I think there's certain parts of the guarantee that don't convey until they hit 70 games. So, you know, with so much money at stake, tens of millions of dollars for all these people, that's not anything to sneeze at. Uh, so, Seamus, I guess, where are you with the the very idea of playing these games to get to 70? Like, you can throw out, I guess, the the TV stuff because we don't it doesn't benefit us doesn't we're not making any <laughs> we're not making any money from this so i guess what's your snap reaction to just that general concept of having to play these games mostly for that but maybe 
some of the ancillary benefits that come with it. So, yeah, I understand the concept of wanting to get the TV money. I get the idea of wanting to get the rust off and play a couple of games. But, you know, there's a good part of the league that these games are utterly meaningless. And what and to what degree they, do they want to risk their livelihood or potentially, potentially the livelihood of their, their family if even the non-playoff teams are bringing their family into this soft bubble, so to speak, like a soft cap, you know, the way this is going to turn out. Uh, my ideal situation is that you just take the playoff teams and put them there. Obviously, it's not going to happen. Money talks, cash rules, everything around me. But it just seems pointless to me. Like, you want to have this session slash tournament slash this end of the season run be as short and as sweet as possible so people can get on with their lives. We can crown a champion and we can get on to preparing for the draft, free agency. And obviously, next season is going to get delayed. And the longer this goes on, the more next season gets delayed and, you know, more, uh, you know, issues come with that because... If they have to go to play to 70 games this year and then do a full playoff slate, they're going to be in danger of not doing 70 games the following year. So it's this whole can of worms, this avalanche, this snowballing. So what I would do, again, they're not going to do this. Who cares about the regular season? Just take the seeds as they are now. Honestly, I would do the. They're not going to do this. They're going to have the top eight teams in the playoffs. I would just do the top four because who gives a shit at this point? The Sixers aren't going to win the title. You have, to, <laughs> you have the top eight teams and just go through the playoffs like that. I would do, you know, bring back the old school uh, Eastern Eastern Conference and Western Conference quarterfinals. Have those be five games. Then you could do seven, seven, and seven. Again, this won't happy from, happen for monetary reasons, but you want this to be as succinct as possible. You want players to minimize their exposure to other people so this can get wrapped up as soon as possible and we can prepare for the next season when ideally it's a more secure culture and society we have and ideally maybe possibly uh, a vaccine or cure for everyone. Yeah, I, I think the ideal situation for me has to start with you just bag the rest of the regular season. That other The financial stuff is the reason that they would do it. They will sell that under the guise of you know, we need these guys to shake off the rust blah, and blah, get their blah. legs under them. That could easily be achieved by saying, hey, we're going to have a series of scrimmages that we will also televise between, you know, the playoff teams that are still left and all the teams that are eliminated can just be sent home and or not sent home, can just stay home. And there's no risk for for any of them, any of their family members, bringing that back to their communities, whatever it is, you're like that's minimizing risk for a lot of people. It's also minimizing the risk for injury. Like, can you imagine a scenario where like the Atlanta Hawks come back and the only thing that franchise really has going for them is Trey Young, and Trey Young gets hurt in a like game sixty nine of the regular yes. season and tears his knee up or something and then misses the next season and, and the, the devastating consequences that has for a franchise that already struggles to draw eyeballs as it is like i there are just too many too many bad things that can happen for bringing teams back for games that don't actually mean anything outside of the lottery standings and then and that'll be part of it they'll say like well we have to determine draft order and how you determine it is those teams are all going to just fucking tank blatantly if they can keep their picks. So to me, that all seems stupid. You roll with the teams that are the the playoff teams. I think the eight seeds have decent leads in both conferences. I know that in the Western conference, the, uh, 
the Pelicans and Zion were surging and team like the Blazers with Dame Lillard is on the outside looking in that they're always dangerous. But at this point, you got to use common sense here. So you just strip it down to the playoff teams as they stand and throw out the rest. They are not going to do that. Uh, I, I do think that the return of the five game series temporarily is interesting and you know you would think that maybe that would lead to more upsets but that really didn't happen for a lot of nba history you didn't see the first uh one eight upset until i believe it was 94 between the denver nuggets and the sonics so i i don't think you're cheapening the playoffs at all i don't think it's going to change the fate of the playoff picture or the title picture i guess you would say although i say that in the lockout season in 99 that's when the knicks were the eight seed and went on their run to the finals so i suppose you never know i i just think that everything has to be done with okay we want to bring sports back and that's understandable they want to get back revenue and, and figure all that out that's all well and good but you have to do that in the way that's most responsible for not just the players but everybody else and i think you can only achieve that by minimizing games played and cutting down on the amount of people that could possibly be at risk because of this make every series best of one talk about upsets (laughs) yeah be the uh call that like july madness i guess instead of what would july jubilee hey why don't you do that you could have every scene be in it Listen, if it ends up in a scenario where, like, the Phoenix Suns win the NBA title, I would kind of be for that. Just Devin Booker just catches a heater for, like, two weeks and the Suns win the title. <laughs> just here, some here, stupid shit. Here's one last good point we could end on. And uh, our friend Sam, who does the Light Years podcast, also on the Fantastic Blue Wire podcast network, I uh, was discussing this on Twitter and... uh talking about strike shortened seasons and how you know how in theory those seasons could have gotten asterisk on them but in 1999 the spurs won and if the spurs only won that one year people would have looked back on it as fluky but in reality that kicked off the dynasty of the tim duncan ever where he won five championships so no yeah. one looks at that as fluky and then you have the 2012 season uh where my the miami heat won and lebron won and that was the first of back-to-back titles for the heat so no one looks back at that that's lebron's first championship that it's it's no one really considers that as a asterisk written, written season so what happens if it's this year and you know just for fucking around say it's the sixers and the sixers kind of you know maybe they just have it all together this one for one month they play unbelievably and then you know in the years to come they're just in that three four five seat tier and that's all they did do you think people would be like oh the sixers that was a bullshit win or you know, what if I don't fucking know? Like the Pelicans made it, and then because they squeaked <laughs> out games in a regular season, and then Zion, you know, gets hurt again, and they're never a thing. Do you do you think that? Do you think it would need to be a situation where LeBron wins, and it's just like, oh, that's LeBron's first one in LA. That's just the third time he won the championship with a different team, or you know, Giannis and the Bucks when it goes okay. Well, that kicked off the the Bucks dynasty, and they win two or three more times in the next half dozen years. Would you see a situation think, like that? I think it all depends on, number one, who it would be, and number two, how it would unfold afterward. Because to your point, the reason that the Spurs thing is not viewed as an asterisk title is because they went on to 
to win constantly and to win multiple titles. So people don't look back on that as, oh, hey, they only won that one because of the way that fifty game unfolded. season. Yeah. Now I think if LeBron wins because of how toxic the discourse is regarding him and his legacy and how he stacks up against you know once you're in that all-time great conversation the the stakes change i guarantee you that people would put an asterisk on it for him i do think there is a bigger groundswell of people who discredit the that first title that he won in miami because it was that shortened season listen man i've been deep into the the Twitter arguments there, like I don't get involved with those I mean, arguments, I, I but I read a lot of the two online, and I feel like I don't really see that given everything that's come since. Given that they won, were one of the best regular season teams I've ever seen the next year, uh, and then obviously LeBron won again with Cleveland and solidified his legacy as one of the, you know, upper 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 echelon players ever. Oh, for sure. But I'm I'm sitting here and I can just hear, like a first take or undisputed type show where skip is saying well two of lebron's titles came in seasons that were altered and and like all that bullshit it doesn't matter to me sense yeah i wouldn't wouldn't give a shit yeah it personally doesn't matter to me i will say though i do think this is a lot different than a lockout type situation if only because in a lockout situation you're still playing once you start the year you're still playing that out straight through. Yes, it was in a bridge season, and yes, it's more of a sprint than the the 82 games plus playoffs that we're used to, but this is totally uncharted territory where they started a season, they're 60-plus games in. It's that part of the year where you know they're really ramping up for the playoffs. In some respects, they're saving their legs in mid-March to prepare for that playoff run, but they're gearing up for that mid-April start to the playoffs, and that just got blown to smithereens. And now it's essentially like restarting the season. And so I think if there's any season where an asterisk is going to be used, it's this one. I personally don't like once they're back and once these guys are competing, you either win or you lose. And it, like unless someone is cheating in some way, like the Patriots with Spygate, I don't, I don't do the asterisk thing. The results are the results and, and you let the, uh, the chips fall where they may, but I I am convinced that there will be a lot of people who will be happy to put an asterisk on it, depending on what team ends up winning. So what team would you like to put an asterisk? I would love for Giannis to win and never win again. That was an asterisk season. <laughs> Celtics, obviously. Basically, any of the teams we typically shit on, right? Yeah, I'm, I, I like think LeBron. The- like, I like LeBron. I wouldn't do it to him. I mean... The team that the the fan base that deserves an asterisk, and I don't think they would have a chance to win, would be the Utah Jazz. Yes. Like that would be the ultimate hilarious. They finally win a title, and all their fans are really excited, and everybody else in the NBA is like, "Yeah, no, that doesn't really count the same as all the rest of them." <laughs> Utah cocks. Because like, here's the thing with someone like Boston. They've won so many titles in their franchise history that, like, yeah, who cares if they got one? And they've won one recently enough, too, in 2008. Oh, eh. the Celtics won the championship in 2008? I don't hear about that nearly enough. (laughs) You would never know from listening to the guys on that team act like they were the greatest fucking team of all time. The funny thing is I think the the 2009 team was probably better, but KG got hurt and sort of 
screwed them up. That team was cooking. I think they were like 40 and I say like 40 and six or 40 and eight at one point, something ridiculous. And then he got hurt and that kind of screwed up where they were headed. But yeah, we don't need to praise any Celtics team too much on this podcast. We can talk about a former member of that team for our loser of the week segment to close it out. Seamus, if you want to tell the audience who are, first or i guess i won't even say first nominee who the only nominee for loser of the week is this week yeah right before i'm doing the podcast alan i'm thinking who should we choose this week oh yes i know paul pierce who did not include lebron james in his list of his top five favorite not favorite players top five all-time basketball players which is obviously ludicrous i think you know at worst you have to have lebron at three i mean if you're someone it's probably actually where i would have him as much as i'd love lebron i think you know jordan and kareem had better careers but to have not have him in your top five at all, outrageous. Especially coming from a guy who's not even one of the top 100 players in NBA history. And someone did a little chart. I don't know who it was. It's one of those, you know, NBA central bullshit accounts. And it just tallied up all of the games that LeBron played against Pierce and all his point totals. And they, it was like an absurd amount of games, including playoffs. He never scored fewer than 30 points a game in a game, you know, against Pierce one, like, and the game is listed. Obviously, there was that game, you know, but 2010, game five against the Seahawks, that was like a meltdown for LeBron, right? Yeah, that was a weird... weird that was checkout game. So I guess Yeah, that's when he the... was leaving in free agency, and it was pretty uh, obvious that okay. that was the case. Even so, LeBron is obviously, again, upper, upper echelon, tier one, you know, pyramid, what you know, Pantheon, whatever Bill Simmons wants to say. And I don't even think Paul Pierce, again, is one of the top 100 players of all time. Wow. He's saying that bullshit. Spicy. I like that. Not even top 100. Uh, so here's what I'll yeah, say. Yeah, just like uh, Emmett Smith's the 11th best running back of all time. <laughs> not top 10. Spinning off of that, I, I 100% agree with you on the, like, not having LeBron in your top five is just fucking just rocks for brains dumb and you know i i know that he went up against him and that like a lot of people now have probably reflexively moved him up the list after uh, his tragic passing earlier this year but kobe bryant is in no way one of the five best players of all time and one of the primary reasons that i am always bothered by people throwing him in there is he's basically worse Jordan and that's not like he got closer to being Michael Jordan than anybody else has and being a worse version of a guy who many people think is the greatest player of all time is not a bad thing but when you're ultimately and he admitted to this Kobe said that you know like I I copied Michael I asked Michael for advice and I his game is patterned after him I don't think you have to be to me to be in that like top top tier of of the best players of all time, you had to be an original in some way, like the the best at whatever it is you did. And like Michael Jordan was that guy. Kareem, very much that sort of guy. LeBron was compared to all these different guys, but he very much became the best possible version of this hybrid player where, you know, he has these tendencies that are like Magic Johnson, but he's not Magic Johnson. And so... 
he is in that that type of tier. So I like Kobe is not one of those guys to me. The guys who competed against him put him there, and that's fine. Like I'm not. I kind of trollingly always downgrade Kobe on these lists. Like I think some point last year I might have said he was like the closer to the 15th best player than top five. And I put people like Kevin Garnett in front of him. And, you know, some of that is like half truth, but I don't fully believe all that. So that's where I would definitely kick Kobe out of the conversation. It's like, sorry, buddy, you were not better than LeBron. And LeBron was better than him for most of the time that they overlapped in the league. And that's all I really had to say about that matter. Go off, King. Listen, anyone who is like, I know objectively talking about sports is like a load, saying that is like a loaded thing because the whole, the whole fun of following sports is that a lot of it is is nonsensical and subjective and, you know, people just stick to local teams or like a guy that they like or a team whose colors they happen to like as a kid, whatever the reason is, it's all really fucking irrational. But I think if you just look at LeBron's body work, anybody who claims to know basketball cannot put him outside of the top five real of hooper, anything. You know, real hoopers know Seamus. And I guess Paul Pierce is not a real hooper. Would have so. to agree. <laughs> So on that note, we thank you guys, as always, for joining us for another episode of the podcast. I, I don't know if we these will be quarantine podcasts forever. It sure feels like it at this point. I, I would like to think Seamus and I have uh, managed to do a pretty decent job of at least keeping each other entertained during this time. So hopefully we've been doing the same for you. We will be back with another episode next week. And uh Everybody continue to stay safe and healthy. Take care of your loved ones. Yeah, have a nice relaxing weekend if you guys have a day off. I'm off. I have a four-day weekend. I They give me off hey. on, on Fridays, which is wonderful. I don't, nice. I, don't get off, I don't get off on Christmas Eve or Easter, but I get off inexplicably the, the Fridays before Memorial Day and Labor Day. So, whatever. It's because you're an American, damn it. I'm, I'm an American, yeah. <laughs> I love supporting the troops on Labor Day. <laughs> everybody enjoy your barbecues this weekend barbecues in quarantine i guess yeah and uh we will talk to you soon see you guys